Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Line of Vienna Street podcast for this managerial appointment special. My name is Tom Jenkins, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleagues, James Jarvis and Ed Skelly. Gents, it's currently 7.35pm on the 1st of June. And finally, after a long, long wait, we have a new manager. We were hoping to see the appointment of former Barrow manager Ian Ebert announced this morning. But as they say, better late than never. And it wouldn't be Bolton if there wasn't a few last minute hitches that we had to get over. Uh, but he's finally here. Ian Ebert has arrived. He's on a contract until the 2022-23 season, which three-year contract, I believe. I mean, it would be easier if they just said that. Um, arrives alongside his assistant at Barrow, Peter Atherton. And frankly, James, we couldn't be happier, could we? Oh, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely buzzing. I'm absolutely buzzing, especially because it's such a long contract as well. It shows that they're really placing their faith in him to for for the long term. He is the long term project that they want to get, and he's mm-hmm. they see him as the man that's going to completely transform Bolton from what it's been for the past decade or so. And uh, and how can uh, and frankly, if you've heard anything about the man, how can you not be excited to have him be appointed, even if he's not got the um, upper level experience that some people may have, may have hoped for. That's the thing, isn't it? He, he comes across as someone who who was a winner, and, and obviously it's a very limited pool in which we've been able to judge Ian Ever. But Eddie, he did such a great job at Barrow in such a sort of difficult circumstances, which is similar to what he's coming into at Bolton, very limited budget, etc. It, it sort of seems like the glove fits, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It's like um, blueprint that he it's a Barrow a couple of years ago is exactly what Bolton Wanderers needed at this time. But uh, there's a lot of apathy around with the fans, you know. Uh, they were at our lowest ebb in 30 years. Um, it just seems like we can't go any further down the pyramid. And uh, it's exactly how Barrow felt. You know, they were a club who'd been in the, in the lower leagues, the non-league for nearly 50 years. And the fans uh, barely turned up. Their attendances had uh, shot down to barely like 400, I think for, between four and 600 average gate mm-hmm. uh, when he first joined. And then... The job he, he's done was miraculous at Barrow to take them up with a bottom six budget. Um, he's that the, you're now seeing attendances of over three thousand at Barrow. He's really brought the community together. He's really brought the town together, and that's exactly what needs to happen at Bolton. We need to have faith in our club again. We need to see this project that James was mentioning, this rebuild that Everett needs to do. And there's no better man I feel for that job than Ian Everett. We did a tweet, didn't we, about um, the manager and sort of to gauge the fan reaction as to how excited they were. And you've never seen a reaction like it, have you? I mean, you look down here, Brendan absolutely buzzing. Liam Amira needs to probably keep it in his pants when he says that he's aroused. Um, Mark saying positive. You know, there's loads of people. It's a big, big reaction, isn't it? And a positive reaction that we've not seen for such a long time, is it, Ed? Uh, absolutely not. No, um, you know, Bolton fans at the best of times are really divisive, you know, arguing with each other and really apathetic towards the club and especially the last couple of years. But it's really refreshing to see everyone's on the same page. Everyone feels this is a really positive step in the in the club's history, and it's just fantastic to see that everyone um, is in, in agreement that Ian Ever is um, the right man for the job. Yeah, James, one of the other tweets that we've got from Paul says that it's the thought of freshness, new ideas, and not the old experienced school bollocks, um, for want of a better phrase, of course. would you Do you think that bringing Everton in lieu of someone like a Gary Bowie or even a Ryan Lowe, for that matter, is just what the club needs, a bit of a fresh face for a fresh start? I'd, I'd, I'd certainly say so, especially considering that um, our club model is a completely new, fresh thing, so, so why not invent a completely fresh manager, especially one that's currently being so highly thought of in the game I'd say it's a real coup, real coup to be honest um, 
last se- last season we we c- you could be fooled into believing it would have been a fresh start under under Keith Hill, but the problem was we still had the clouds over us. We still had the administration uh, the administration problems, the twelve point deduction, um, some of the old players, st- some of the old players still around from our relegation season prior to that, and and just a whole loo of other messes going on behind the scenes, but. But th- th- at at this point, we've got none of that. No point deduction. Um, young young squad that we can really build our team around. Contracted players and and under significantly long contracts. Some of them. You you can't help but be excited about it all. It's amazing to see this reaction that we're getting from from the fans in general. And the thing we said, isn't it, Ed, that the last time we probably felt this kind of positivity about a managerial appointment was sort of after the start that Neil Lennon had made. I mean, I've, I've said before. Neil Lennon was never my first choice, but it did seem like a coup for the club at the time. And even though we're getting, coming from Barrow and we've had loads of stick from loads of other fans saying, oh, you know, going from bargaining with Barcelona one time to going to bargain with Barrow, it does feel like a coup, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, I don't... It really matters where you get your start as a manager. If you've, if you've even at your first club, if you've done such a tremendous job and you've got this great philosophy that he's... Um, Every, everyone's heard these uh, the T4 podcast or the, the the video that they took from the Athletic article. The brand of attacking football. He loves the word brand, doesn't he? he? He definitely does, yeah. And but if you just listen to the man, he you know he, real intelligent bloke, and he, he's got a real plan of what he wants to bring to a football team, how he wants to play, is that he wants to bring in, and it's not about a budget. It's it's about bringing in the working with whatever. Um, you've got at your um, at your disposable uh, the disposable <laughs> <laughs> disposable no word uh, uh, you already want him out Jesus Christ yeah don't worry Eddie I'll, I'll cover you here but uh, yeah like like Eddie was saying um, uh, when it, in, in Everton that TFO Football Cup podcast I was just listening to it myself before we come on and first 15 minutes he already covers about the mental side of the game how straight away he took what was basically a bottom six budget at Barrett and turned a bunch of players who could barely string three passes together into into a pass winning side. He, he he raved about how it, one of his first goals for Barrett was after a twenty something passing move, and you cannot be excited about that, especially when he said when he was even speaking about the lines of working with the younger players, their mental side of the game, and when you th- when you can when when you consider how many of the young players are our books, we don't even have at the moment um, any player contracted that's of the age of 23 and you think how he can be able to mould the likes of Mamadou Fall, Ronan Darcy, Dennis Politic, Adam Senior etc etc to, mm-hmm. to be able to, to, be, to weave such an attacking tapestry together at League 2 level with such a young core squad to build, build around as well it's, it's an extremely exciting prospect does the um, start of play and the fact that he does come with the you know real real philosophy that he was never going to deter from in terms of it going forward, wanting to be really attacking, wanting to excite the fans? Does does it really play a huge importance in why you're excited about it? Or if we had got a Ryan Lowe in something like that, and he was going to be a bit more conservative. Would would that have made much difference in swaying between either one of those two managers? Uh, perhaps, perhaps. I, I maybe Law isn't as um adherent to his attacking styles maybe he never is but I still think he would have played something similar and um, mm-hmm. but but Law also had the as well had the experience to back him up on that so re- so really it's just it's 
you can only speak hypothetically on what could have happened there. You you can't say for certain, but either but either way, um, the the fact that he's he's got he's dead set down card, cards on the table. This is what I want, and if you have it this way, uh, and I will do that no matter what. Especially while I mentioned that um, he's come in the role as head coach, which primarily means he will be focusing on Moline's plays instead of purely just trying to sort out all the um all the all the players in and outs that that maybe ruins maybe ruin some other managerial reigns like Phil Parkinson's or, or yeah. Keith Hills. He he primarily gets the chance to focus on what he wants to do, what he wants to implement. And especially with a full pre season to do it, it's <laughs> I can't I can't reiterate enough how exciting it all is. Yeah, Eddie, obviously, James mentions there that he has been brought in as a head coach, which would sort of lead us to believe that Tobias Phoenix is going to play quite a hands-on role in recruitment, at least. Um, do you see that as being a bit of an issue, or do you think that could be more useful for Everett to focus on implementing his style of play? I think time will tell, really. Obviously, Everett's come from a, a club, and no disrespect to Barrow, obviously, uh, there, there won't be that many people behind the scenes. They're a bit of a smaller club, um, obviously been in non-league for a long, long time, so obviously would have probably had to deal with a lot of things off the pitch. Um, Fabulously not... well run, though, I think. The way that they've sort of dealt with this situation and clearly don't suffer falls gladly, as I wouldn't expect them to. They've not allowed themselves to be mugged off, so I think the Barrow board deserve a little bit of credit coming out of this, to be honest. Oh, absolutely, yeah. They've made sure they've got the money's worth forever. Um, absolutely. Uh, it's, it must be a, a, a real culture shock, possibly forever. It, obviously, he's been around clubs like Blackpool in the Premier League and QPR and Derby. So he's been at big club, biggish clubs before, but to be a manager or a head coach, as you say, at a club uh, with a new kind of setup behind the scenes, it's going to be interesting to see whether that works or doesn't. I'm sure um, there would have been plenty of discussions between Tobias and Ian on the, the working relationship, and I'm sure Tobias wouldn't have hired Ian uh, if he wasn't sure that he'd be able to get along with him, and you know they don't really have follow the same uh, plan for the club and. Uh, the, Kind of players that we want to bring in, so yeah, I think time will tell, really. But uh, it, from the you know the initial um, quotes coming out, I think it, it could be beneficial for Ian to focus more on the pitch and to, to let Tobias bring in the players that Ian wants. Yeah, he obviously wants to bring in players who suit his system. I think we saw them when we watched the the Tifo podcast that he doesn't you know bring in people who could mould. He brings them in to literally fit a, a certain style of play. Brings in footballers, I think was the quote that they used. Uh, James, do you think that that might limit what we can get at League Two level? Do you think you might have to make some compromises in terms of recruitment there? Uh, I think the only compromise we we really might have to consider is whatever the outcome of this EFL salary cap verdict is going to be, because that's mm-hmm. I think that's the only factor we don't really know at the moment. But other than that, we're we're a big fish in a small pond. E- Everts even said so himself. So if we're it was in... nice to hear that, wasn't it? From <laughs> it was good. To, that's a good little quote to come out with straight away. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, saying that in the first minute was very uplifting, to say the least. But back on topic regarding the players, if any other club at League Two level um, say they're interested in a player that we're also interested in, that we we have the pedigree behind us, we more than likely have the higher ceilings than the majority of the other clubs in that league. So it's all just a matter of selling that to them, and that I'd say it puts us in in prime position to be able to get any play play we want like I say at the end it was, it'll probably just be more fi- financial in terms of wages but other than that I can't really see how that would 
how it how anything would limit us from getting the players that we want through the door. Yeah, Alex has said um, ideal appointment in our situation. Now it's time to back him and bring in the right players. Obviously, there's external players. We've got no idea what's going to be out there realistically given the current situation. What we do kind of have power over Eddie is the current squad that we've just let go and bringing back some of those people. How many of those can you realistically see ever being interested in, especially when you consider they've got to really fit into his um, style of play and the style of side that he wants to create? That's difficult again, isn't it, really? I think uh, Mm. there'll be a number of players who are not fancy, you know, dropping to League 2. They probably saw themselves more as uh, higher-level League 1 players, thinking that, you know, we probably would have the chance to go back into the championship next season and probably didn't envision themselves playing in League Two this year. Um who knows, they might be settled up here, they might like the sound of Everett's philosophy and might feel like um his style of play uh, would be really good to their game and then Do do you think his personality would sway people? I, I think it makes it a lot of difference that he's not some dour manager coming in and talking about playing hoofball. Definitely, yeah. I think someone as much positivity as he already bringing into the club. Of course, you want to play for somebody like that. It must have been a real difficult situation when, um, after, I mean, publicly after the Rochdale game, but who knows what the dressing room was like at the end of December towards, you know, in, in Keith Hill's reign. Uh, you, you, got, you know, you, you, heard, you heard certain things and um, just the, the quotes that he was coming out with, it must have been really difficult because he wasn't afraid call out a player like he did with Zuma and uh, other players like that he wasn't afraid to publicly criticise a player and that must have been really jarring for some players but to have someone like Everett who is really positive really has a, a direct mindset of what he wants to bring to the club with the style of play he, like, he wants to have and a real uh, regime on the uh, on the training pitch it, like he mentioned on this uh, in his interview a, a winning mentality he wants to install a winning mentality every day of the week so when you're in the training ground um, acting like champions you, you, so you go out and do it on a Saturday or a Tuesday during the game it's it's really really refreshing to hear a manager talking about um, this, you know the, the mental aspect of the game not just trying to get the players working on the pitch but trying to get them working together in the training ground properly and envisioning this style that he wants to bring to Bolton Wanderers and I think somebody like Everett I think a lot of players would want to play for somebody like that. But it all depends on, like James said, this um, salary cap. We're already uh, lumbered with a, a transfer embargo, so we already have some sort of salary cap already in, in place at the club. So that could really be beneficial to a club like Bolton as opposed to a club like Salford, who probably have a lot of uh, players on high wages already on their books. So they're going to struggle to bring in players possibly. Whereas we have sort of got a blank canvas with... Um, our squad and uh, we can't really sign plays for a hell of a lot of money as it is anyway so if this transfer the the wage cap comes in surely a team like us the stadium that we have with the you know the, the I mean there's a lot of people as you've said there's a lot of posi- uh, positivity going around and a hell of a lot of people have already said that they want when we're allowed back in to watch football next season they already want to buy a season ticket even though they might not necessarily have had a season ticket for the, uh, in the last few years. So, it works like momentum positivity, doesn't it? It sort of gets yeah. everyone swept up in it. it. Yeah, and it just seems like the you know the, the announcement today has just brought this... Given the wage cap comes in, we're in a really 
really good position to bring in the the higher level uh, free agents out there because there's going to be a lot of clubs who have had to let players go. You've seen it with Rochdale, you've seen it with other teams, players that they might not necessarily want to go, but they couldn't afford to keep them on. And I think we're going to be in the perfect position to pick up the best free agents out there who want to play uh, in League Two. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it, James? I think whereas we are sort of releasing these people and feeling as though we can pick and choose, other teams have just had to do it out of necessity. Do, do you view that situation as our loss, their gain? Sorry, the other way around. Our, our gain, their loss. I can't speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah of, yeah, of course. I mean, you say for, exa- say, for example, some of Rochdale's releases, you look at the likes of Ian Henderson, who's been an absolutely brilliant goal scorer um, for, for them the past few years. He's available on the free, and if he wanted to stick around the locker area we'd be in a brilliant position to try and convince him to come round, even if he's on the more experienced side of things. Um, or, or, or or maybe other younger potential players like, like Callum Camps, who they've just released. He'd, he'd be a brilliant signing for Everett to, to mould some of his philosophies around and build him into a kind of player that either could be one for the long term or that we could sell down the line for a decent transfer fee. The possibilities... That, that we have, especially regarding the free agents and how we've managed to be able to manage our club during this during the pandemic and lockdown, etc. It it really has put us in a good position, and all that, all that really mattered was the appointments. and And now and now that we've got the appointments sorted, it's all dependent on recruitment. Which which of those players we bring back? Me personally, I'd probably bring in back the likes of Crawfords, Yuzumas, your Emanuels. You know the you know the Percy players the ones who more prefer to play it down the deck and run with the ball etc. I think Emmanuel would fit into that system so so well. Exactly, exactly. And even if you wanted, you could even bring in his wing partner from back season Dordu. Maybe he'd want. Maybe he'd be tempted to put to come back and play under Everett's style, the more passing flow, and maybe it would suit his game better uh, <laughs> if he wanted to come back and play as a striker under Everett. Who knows? But but the. Yeah, but but the possibilities with with Everett's appointment are endless, and consi- and it, though it's not nice being Lee two, it it has put us in a best position to to be able to build t- towards the future, and hopefully Everett sticks around for the three years, and at the very least we'll be back in the championship back under him. But maybe I'm being a bit too optimistic there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, there's there's room for optimism. I don't think we've been optimistic now for the last one. I don't know, 10 years, probably longer. Yeah, I, I think um, there's a lot of players there who would be looking at that and thinking it's music to their ears and other players maybe not. I mean, obviously, as we say, we're not sure what happened with the salary cap. We're not sure what sort of fish we're going to be, pond we're going to be fishing in. Um, but the players who are contracted, and this is where I think it must be so good to hear this man come in and talk about wanting to play attacking football. Euronan Darcy's and Dennis Politic of this world must be licking their lips at the prospect of playing under him next season, don't you think, Eddie? Definitely, yeah. Um, you look at a player like John Rooney, um, a real, you know, from being Wayne Rooney's brother, he's been a real journeyman over his career. Um, he's never really uh, found a, a place to settle. He, you know, he's um, all of the lower leagues and non-league and stints out in the MLS. He comes to Barrow and he thrives under Ian Everett and he was, um, I think he scored 20 goals last season in all competitions and he, he was voted, uh, I think, the the league's player of the season, but well, we that, can't get him though. <laughs> we can't no, get sad, him. Sadly, no. Yeah, we can't go and rob any players off Barrow for the next few years. Um, 
but to, for a player like that who has struggled there really it's and plays a similar position to Ronan Darcy who's only up and coming in his career but um he, he must inst- Ian Everett must have you know install so much confidence in a player and yeah I think John Rooney's the kind of perfect person for Ronan Darcy to replicate uh, if you look at his the season that he had last year and I'm sure that Ian Everett will be uh, and Peter Robertson will be working up with him on the training ground and Dennis Politic as well who you saw in glimpses last season under Keyfield the quality that he had um, and he, he, I think he was well on his way to getting um, possibly 10 goals if, if we carried on playing because he had that real fantastic goal scoring streak in February Oh, it would shock me if we came into sorry came to the end of next season and Dennis Politic hadn't got 10 goals and 10, 10 assists I mean having watched what seemed to be sort of the better League Two teams in those playoff finals or the playoff semi-finals I mean there's no one there who I've seen who has that kind of ability I mean don't get me wrong he's raw but he's still only 19 isn't he I mean yeah, I, I cannot see Exactly, I can't, I can't see anything but that kid ripping rip the league out next season, and we're we're biased of that opinion, obviously. But you know, I, I, I genuinely, uh, Randall Williams was the one that everyone was talking about, wasn't it, James? And I think Politic is better. I really do. Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't seen anything of Randall Williams, so I can't comment on that front. But like we were saying, when we saw Politic last season, yeah, he had his raw moments, but <laughs> there's undeniable talent there, and especially he was slowly starting to improve. That his more disciplined side of the game was going on, he was getting more stamina, he was able to run back and defend more if needed, he was able to make, make better judgement calls instead of shooting from the halfway line every single match. Even See, though... I like that. I liked that about him. <laughs> I liked his audacity, but it wasn't always the smartest idea he had, but... That, no, but, maybe not. But, <laughs> but regardless, yeah... I, I can imagine Everett himself is licking his lips at licking his lips at being able to work with players like that, and and even all the others who have that raw potential. Like, like I don't know. Let's say for example, Callum King Harms, who I think you could mould into one of the one of the best crosses in the ball in the league. To be to be honest, because I always thought he had that possibility in him when I saw him play during the early parts of last season. Uh, or your Mohamedou Fowles, who we always saw in clips with his absolutely rapid pace uh, in the lower leagues, if he could mould him into maybe say like 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 we've seen more Issa before him into a into a rapid goal scoring machine, we could maybe see our first goal scorer with over with over twelve goals in a season. For, for <laughs> surely, in a team that's geared towards attacking, surely this is the time when we break our duck. You'd, you'd certainly hope so, but just having those possibilities there and them actually being realistic, it, uh, I'm 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 smiling th- I'm smiling right now as I'm as I'm saying it. <laughs> Christ, it's, the world must be ending. My God. <laughs> um, we've talked obviously about uh, his attacking style of play, but Eddie playing devil's advocate, do you think it's a little bit of a concern that he's not really talked about defensive stability or do you think that this could be if we're going to get any opportunity to do so this could be the season when we throw caution to the wind I don't think there's any cause for concern really he was obviously an experienced defender uh, in his career Um, he'll know full well um, what all you need to do in League 2 to defend and uh, I'm sure if needed um, you know we can play defensively or not necessarily as as bad as we did on the parky, but um, you know I'm sh- I'm sure he's uh, there were Peter Abbotton was a defender as well, so they fully know what it you know 
it takes to be a defender at this level and um, to hold a lead. Um, so I don't think that's really a cause for concern. Um, I don't think um, you could probably draw comparisons to how we played under Coyle, which is probably the last time we were consistently um, played att- attacking all the time. And we were pretty poor defensively, if you want to go there. Um, a lot of games were in 3-2, we didn't, we didn't really keep a lot of clean sheets. And um, I don't really know how Barrow did in terms of clean sheets last season. Um, Nothing's really made of um, what they did defensively, is it? It's it's, it's interesting that clearly it must have been such an impressive style of play for the to be literally the only thing that anyone talks about when referring to the team. I mean, so they conceded 39 goals last season in 37 games. That's I mean, pretty it'll good. do. That's pretty good. It'll really. do. She's pretty especially great. When, especially yeah. when, let's be honest, you're probably dealing with rubbish defenders. Hmm. Mm. No disrespect if you're a National League defender and you're listening to this, but chances <laughs> are you're not very good. Um, you know, you're probably better than me, but you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah. scope above, but, above my talent in football. <laughs> yeah, but, but let's be, let's be honest, lads. It, well, it's fair to judge bit to judge um, the defense side of the game, like we. We do want to keep clean sheets. Let's not let's not pretend otherwise. But if we win most of our games, four four two, five one, three 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 one or something like that, I would I, at least at least we can say we'd be entertained, which we've honestly not had that for quite a while. I remember thinking at the start of last season in League One, having been a, a proper Phil Parkinson fan, just because I think he'd been so consistent and done a job under ridiculously difficult circumstances. I really couldn't go to the stadium and watch another Beavers hoofball show again. I, I don't think I could I could sit through that. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, we probably would have got a hell of a lot more hidings than we did if Parky hadn't have played that way. But it just killed the match they experienced, didn't it? Uh, I mean, I mean, as long as you're successful, it doesn't really matter as much. But yeah, especially in the um, championship when it was that for essentially every game, it it did make it difficult to watch. There's so. no plan B. At least I feel as though with an attacking style of play, you know, you feel as though there's probably a plan A, B, and C. Mm. Well, I mean, it I mean, it worked for the first two seasons, so I suppose you can't fault it. But yeah, but it worked. But it was turgid. Like, don't get me wrong; the, the, those seasons are only like entertaining because of what actually happened at the end of them over the course of the year there aren't many games that I look back and remember and think oh that was good fun but I mean in, in the league one season the Oxford game was good fun and that was 4-2 yeah, and then yeah, Port Vale yeah. was about, yeah, that, but that's the thing isn't it You know, we, we had a little spell when we did start to really score some goals but that it, it, our job was made more difficult by the fact that we wanted to win 1-0 and you can look at um, Wheater and Beavers and the brilliant defensive record that Parky managed in there and that's all well and good but in the league that we had, you got promoted. Fantastic achievement. But it should have happened by know, the start of April. And because we were still so cautious, it meant that it took an age for us to get over the line. And I just think with Everett, he's got a clear aim in mind. That was one of the best things to come out of his interview, saying, we have to get promoted. It's my job to get us promoted. There's a clear focus there. I can't see him pissing around the way that Parky did. Uh, you, you'd certainly hope not. Especially, I, I thought the same thing when listening to his... Um into his T4 podcast like uh, in the first 15 minutes he even spoke about how he wanted to instill a winning mentality belief in his players that they that they can go and do anything he spoke about how 
he gets his players to run into the dressing room at half time just shut just to get a mind game over his opposition that we're fitter than you we're ready for the ne- we're going to be re- we could be ready to play the next half immediately if we wanted to it those kind of those kind of things so i don't think there's any need to worry about our, how our football's going to be from that point and no. and and if it ends up that we happen chipping a few goals but we score but we score even more then so be it absolutely um Eddie, do you think that um, the arrival of Averton as well as Everett was crucial? Do you think it could have been a bit difficult if we'd only just got the one man and then Averton had been given the Barrow job? I mean, we don't really know what kind of working relationship. Yeah, it must be fantastic because um, I don't think they played together or coached together before Barrow. I think Everton was hired um, after Everett was made manager, so it's not like they had a relationship before, but they've clearly done such a fantastic job together that um, it was probably beneficial to keep them together. Uh, but we don't know whether it, or not it's... The, the, obviously, the most famous example is Brian Clough when he separated from Peter Taylor at Leeds United. Um, but who knows whether or not it would have been that disastrous. Um, he, you know, he wanted to bring Gaverton, so clearly they have a good working relationship. Um, and it, it's probably better keeping them together and making sure that both of them uh, are there to start the training out and bring new ideas into the club and obviously Everton is a man uh, that Everett trusts so it's probably better that we've got both of them than just Everett Absolutely I, I think you don't want to break up something that was working I think we've, we've been guilty in the past of sort of tampering around at Bolton Wanderers I think you know stick with something and let, let's really give it a proper chance which as we said at the top of, up, top of the show a three year deal or what seems to be a three-year deal. Why, why, they, why they can say just three-year rather than 2022-23 season force me to do maths, I hate maths. Um, I don't understand why, but that seems a statement of intent. I mean, Eddie, you'll know he saw whether it be man or player for God knows how long, have we? Uh, possibly Leonard, maybe. Was the last person to get a, that, but that was before I knew how bad the financial situation was under um, Gartside and Davis. Parky, I think, just got a Rowan contract. Yeah, yeah it, it's well. one. It's one of those things. It's a proper yeah. confidence booster for the manager. It shows that the board back him, which you know, is vital at this point, isn't it, James? We, we've seen a lot of upheaval with um, football ventures, but it'd be nice, wouldn't it, to have a bit of stability at least on the manager side? Well, well, yeah, like 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 you said, it does no. It doesn't. None of this feels like a temporary solution anymore. Just putting a plaster over an axe wound or something like that. It all feels <laughs> like we're actually in a position to build, even if we are under currently stringent budget management at the moment we we have a squad size and whatnot that they, they just feel they just feel like minor obstacles now to what what is actually a, a proper project nailed down this is this is how we're going to build our future these are the players we're going to build our future around it all feels fi- it all feels sort of finalized what direction yeah. that we're going in and that i can honestly say that's probably not something we've had since um, since since um, Eddie Davis and Phil Gartside brought in Sam Allardyce, it seemed like the most important appointment, didn't it? The, the club saw it a real turning point here, a sliding doors moment where we look back at today and it either ends with us being a national league club or you know going the way of Wigan, going bust. But I'm not bitter. Um, <laughs> or you know the start of our, our charge back up to where we think we we belong. You know that's the thing, isn't it? We, it really does feel. Like it could be a huge turning point. It pretty much has to be. 
it has it has to be at this point. We can't afford to be like languishing with the facilities we got, with the stadium we've got, with the history we've had. We can't afford to be languishing down here, or else, you know. Plus, we know FV aren't going to be around forever either. If we want to attract any more future investment at this point, we have to be building up to the to a point where we look an incredibly attractive proposition, a stable club, say at Championship level, with with good young players coming through, a strong identity of how we want to play, etc. And and as long as all that groundwork is groundwork is laid, which it looks like they are doing now, that's the only way we're going to get that. And and you can and you can't not be excited, even if you're maybe cautious about appointing a manager from the, from National League, or if you're cautious about how limited our budget might be under the FV people. You can't deny that they that they are implementing their vision in mind, and you have to respect them for that. Absolutely. We've got more comments. Chris Merrill's going down Liam's route saying he's erotically charged. <laughs> I'll, uh, yeah, calm down is what I would say to that. Uh, Danny West, most exciting managerial signing in years. Luke Jones, genuine excitement and disappointment. Joe buzzing the only way is up. I mean, it is, it is ridiculous, isn't it? Bolton fans are positive. I mean, as I said before, you're smiling, James. The world is clearly going to come to an end if it's not already. It's a new um, it's a new decade, Tom. It's a new decade. I know, exactly. And it's it, it's already scaring me. Um, I think the last thing I'd, I'd touch on before we, we bring this one to a close is we've all watched this interview. We've discussed it a little bit. It's bloody impressive, isn't it, Eddie? Yeah. Um, it's just nice to hear a manager so positive and so refreshed. And so, like, he, he's been given... It, so we don't know that the whole story behind the scenes, how much influence Tobias Phoenix will have, but it sounds like he's been told that he'll just be given the paintbrush on a bank canvas and he'll be free reign of uh, the kind of plays that he wants to bring in to implement in his style and Ixel obviously sort that. But to hear him talk about his philosophy and ideals and it's just everything that we've heard for the last two weeks on the T4 podcasts and the, the Athletic uh, article, it's just fantastic that like, you've got done and he's breath of fresh air in club that has been so rotten and so used to turgid football and conferences talking about fucking onions and (laughs) (laughs) well good luck Barrow if he takes over is all I'm going to say make make sure you've got a decent supply of shallots (laughs) there are plenty of their fans on their forums I've dipped in and out of their forum over the last few days there's a lot of their fans who feel like he'd be a great appointment um, and I'm sure he would have been four years ago but sadly I don't think we ever saw the Keith Hill who in his prime was um Fantastic football with Rochdale. A lot of Rochdale fans. But it's the thing, Ed. Rochdale. It's all yeah. Rochdale. You know, the, the, yeah. some people just fit a certain situation. I mean, I know it's going wrong for Bournemouth at the moment, but Eddie Howe, I don't think would do it anywhere other than Bournemouth. Oh, um, and he may not ever get the chance. Who knows? But uh, a lot of Rochdale fans said that was burnt out after he left Rochdale, and I, I, I think he he never recovered really, and I don't think we ever saw the best of him. Um. To hear a manager being so positive, it's just absolutely refreshing and I can't wait for the season to get started. Hopefully that's in September. Yeah, if I may add, it's also a positivity that comes from confidence. You heard in his interview just how confident he seemed in everything from from the setup to how he was going to come across, his own success, 
uh, how how he sees the club. It it all spires from. It all seems to have come from a genuine place of confidence rather than just um, a bravado or a personality that that Keith had. While maybe attracted, well maybe Keith's side of things attracted people initially um, from when from when we first met him. It kind of showed how much falseness was behind it. Well, but there's a level of substance with Everett, isn't there? Level of substance. Yeah, and yeah, and it's substance that comes from the way he comes across. While he speaks confidently, he doesn't. While he has, shall we say, a bit of arrogance, he doesn't play it up, um, and it, and it didn't fit. And that's really different from what we had from Hill. It's it's just completely refreshing all around. Absolutely, I think um, Gaslow here sums it up brilliantly for me. It's got that feel of the start of the Rioc era. Uh, that would be all, nice, all wouldn't bef- it? All before, all before our time, unfortunately, lads. But... Well, yeah, but it would be nice, <laughs> wouldn't it? Be, I mean, we we all hear the uh, the slightly older generation of Bolton fans going on about how brilliant that was. I mean, it would be nice. It would be nice to score a hundred goals and get almost hundred points in a season. Uh why why not? Eh? Let's aim for the stars. Yeah, as long as he batters Tranmere and Barrow next year, I have zero complaints. Um, I think that's uh, about the long and the short of it isn't it boys we can sort of wrap it up there uh, Ian Everett is the new manager of Bolton Wanderers Ian Everett Super White Army let's get it on a banner let's get it on a flag Everett brand um, Ever- yeah exactly a bit of a branding he loves a bit of that um, <laughs> so yeah I think before we properly sign off boys and I'm going to nick something off Mark Isles for our sign off I'd just like you to sum up in one word your feelings towards the appointment Eddie I'll go with you Um, delighted delighted love that James Sensational. God, uber positivity, it's horrible. But I suppose when you appoint such a successive manager, it is inevitable. Thank you very much. <laughs>